in January and February of 1556, Cranmer gave way to pressure to recant of his Protestantism and resubmit to papal authority. Then after he, was private, after he privately recanted, he was asked to go and explain himself in the pulpit of the University Church of Oxford. And then much to the surprise of uh, Bloody Mary, he denied papal authority and denounced his private recantations. And then he knew that he was going to be immediately executed. And so he declared that he would punish the hand that originally signed the recantations by burning it first. They then pulled him from the pulpit and they tied him up to the uh, stake and started to burn him. And to keep true to his word, he pushed his hand into the fire and forced it to be burned first. And then as he died, he yelled out, Lord, receive my spirit. I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Join me today for Martyr Monday as we learn about the English reformer, Thomas Cranmer. Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. Welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120. Samek. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All of the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Today, for Learn the Faith, we're starting the Westminster Larger Catechism. On Friday, we read the last question of the Shorter Catechism, so I thought today we'd go on to the Larger. So here it is. Question 1. What is the chief and highest end of man? Answer. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. Scripture proof. Romans 11 verse 36. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Hi, thanks for joining me today for Martyr Monday. Today we're looking at the English reformer, Thomas Cranmer. A lot of people know of Thomas Cranmer because of the TV show, The Tudors. He was very prominent in it. But in that show, he's definitely portrayed as an opportunist. that's just using the king in order to uh, um, advance his own interests. And a lot of people have accused him of that throughout the years, but there's a lot more to him than that. So I wanted to explore that a little bit today. As King Henry VIII lay dying in his bed, he wanted one man to come and hold his hand. Amazingly, that man was a major proponent of the Protestant Reformation. Thomas Cranmer helped lead the English Reformation, but he is an unlikely hero alongside Luther, Calvin, and the other reformers. He did not write any major theological books or pastor any important churches. 
Indeed, Cranmer did not adopt the central truths of the Reformation until relatively late in his life. But during the years of the Protestant Reformation, he shaped English theology perhaps more than any other person who has ever lived. We often overlook the failures of our heroes. Martin Luther's anti-Semitic comments do not inspire us to defend the gospel. So we tell of the story of his heroic stand at the Diet of Worms. John Wesley's failure to be a loving husband doesn't motivate us to pray for a revival. So we tell of the stirring crowds who rushed to know that they could be, how they could be saved after hearing of the new birth in Christ. We drool over the multi-volume sets of so-and-so's works, dumbfounded by such productivity, never considering what these writers might have neglected at home or in their church in order to be so productive in print. But Thomas Cranmer, Archbishop of Canterbury, will never enjoy the luxury of having his failures overlooked. His greatest public failure is closely related to why we still remember his story. Cranmer was, born as, or was burned as a heretic to Roman Catholics and a, pro, and a martyr to Protestants. Born in 1489 in the small village of Aslockton, Thomas Cranmer grew up near the same Sherwood Forest where Robin Hood hid out nearly three centuries earlier. He was a slow reader, taking eight years to finish Cambridge's four-year undergraduate degree. He persevered in his studies, completed a master's degree, was ordained into ministry, and was elected by Cambridge to teach. <clears throat> he built a reputation for pushing his students to study the Bible for themselves. While Cranmer spent his days peacefully serving on academic committees, England was in turmoil. King Henry VIII wanted to annul his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Through a strange set of circumstances, Cranmer suggested to some of Henry's advisors that the King of England was not ultimately subject to the Pope's rule, much to the King's delight. Cranmer's advice then inadvertently planted a seed that separated the English Church from, the Roman, from Roman Catholicism. Many of us may cringe at the decisions Cranmer made in order to bring the Reformation to England, following the legacy of Luther and the guidance of the Continental Reformers. For instance, he helped to assemble the case for Henry VIII's divorce from Catherine of Aragon, leading to the separation of the Church of England from Rome, and he supported the principle of royal supremacy, supremacy, I mean, which gave the throne legal sovereignty over the church in England. Cranmer traded away Roman Catholicism for reform doctrine by the end of his life, a transformation that mirrored the turmoil and a split of the English Reformation or the turmoil and split of the English Reformation. While he was a student at Cambridge, he had read Martin Luther skeptically, but he warmed to Reformation thought after befriending Simon Grinaeus and Andreas Osiander. He eventually rejected the doctrine of transubstantiation after the conversations with his friend Nicholas Ridley. Cranmer then clarified his liturgical reforms through conversations with the Italian reformer Peter Martyr and the German reformer Martin Bucher. Cranmer's theology changed too dramatically for the English Reformed Catholics, but too slowly for Reformed-minded Evangelicals. To some, even today, Cranmer's reforms seem too personally and politically motivated, like in that show The Tudors that I was talking about. But he did not have the luxury of working out abstract beliefs among a company of disinterested academia. His theology was formed in a volatile, volatile pastoral and political cauldron of crises. Though Cranmer's tight marriage of church and state may offend American sensibilities, he was, of course, a man of his times. 
The Reformation was closely related to the growing phenomenon of nationalism in Western Europe. But Cranmer was also a pastor who slowly and patiently brought reform to the Church of England through sermons and letters. He wrote the first two editions of the Book of Common Prayer and contributed to and compiled the two-volume book of homilies, a collection of teaching based on robust Protestant theology. Beyond teaching the authority of Scripture and justification by faith alone, the book also included pastoral instruction on things like how to read the Bible, how to guard against idleness, and how to pray. Cranmer's legacy of pastoral and theological reformation in the Church of England was the basis for the 39 Articles, the Anglican Statement of Faith. Cranmer was the most important figure for the English Reformation in the 16th century, paved the way for the Puritan movement of the 17th century. Cranmer wanted everyone in English churches to embrace justification by faith alone. He wrote this proposition, that we be justified by faith alone, freely and without works, is all spoken in order to take away clearly all merit of our works as being insufficient to deserve our justification at God's hands, and thereby most plainly to express the weakness of a man of man and the goodness of God, the imperfectness of our own works, and the most abundant grace of our Savior Christ, and thereby wholly to ascribe the merit and deserving of our justification unto Christ only and his most precious bloodshedding. That's from the works of Thomas Cranmer, page 131. But when Mary I, Bloody Mary, took the throne, Cranmer's influence and reforms were immediately halted. As Mary reversed the English Reformation, persecuting Protestants, Cranmer encouraged colleagues such as P Peter Martyr to flee to the continent and to take refuge with pastors and theologians who had stayed with them as refugees just one generation earlier before. But Cranmer stayed. During an agonizing three-year period, he was imprisoned, isolated, humiliated, interrogated, and tortured. After saying his farewell to Martyr, he was almost immediately imprisoned with his friends Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. The three were then condemned for treason. Latimer and Ridley were taken immediately for execution, and Cranmer was forced to watch their burning. The church situation was desperate. Cranmer smuggled out a letter to Martyr, and in that he said, I pray that God may grant that we may endure to the end. He wrote that, foreshadowing a tragic set of events for himself. Between January and mid-February of 1556, Cranmer gave way to pressure to recant of his Protestantism and to submit to papal authority. After privately recanting, he was required to explain himself in the pulpit of the University Church of Oxford. Much to the surprise of the throne, Cranmer publicly denounced his private recantations. He also denied papal authority and, knowing he would immediately be executed, declared that he would punish the hand that originally signed the recantations by burning it first. Pulled from the pulpit, Cranmer was tied to the stake where his companions Latimer and Ridley had died just five months earlier. Fulfilling his words, he stuck his hand in the fire first, crying out as he died, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So to accuse Cranmer of lacking courage and to ignore his reforms in Britain, or is to ignore his reforms in Britain, and to shelter, or and the shelter that he offered to those continental reformers who were suffer, suffering persecution over in Europe. Um, nevertheless, fear did get the best of him, 
and for a period of time he recanted all of his life's labors. So it's hard to say whether it was like the fear of being burned or the fear of man that made him cave. Cranmer's death, death is complicated. He didn't die abandoning his faith, but his behavior in the months before his death doesn't exactly make him identi or neatly identify him as a hero. Martyrdom without previous recantations is a much easier, more inspiring story to tell. We wish the story worked out differently, and I'm sure Cranmer felt the same way. Within some Protestant and Catholic circles, Cranmer was seen as opportunistic, tilting to whichever way the theological windmill blew. To others, he was a victim of Catholic propaganda. And that's what you really see in that, in uh, the Tudors, is that, you know, he, they, they portrayed him as that opportunist that would just do whatever way, whatever, whichever way the wind blew, but I don't think he was. So though, and although that's all true, the moment that best illustrates Cranmer's enduring legacy <clears throat> was not actually the day of his own death, but it's actually a day nine days earlier, or nine years earlier, I mean, as he stood on the deathbed of King Henry VIII. On January 27th of 1547, King Henry was dying. An attendant asked him whom he wished to have at his bedside. The king asked for Thomas. By the time Cranmer had arrived, King Henry was unable to speak. Fox tells the story in, uh, yeah, in the, his book. Then the archbishop, exhorting him to put his trust in Christ and call upon his mercy, desired him, though he could not speak, yet to give some token with his eyes or with his hand that he trusted in the Lord. Then the king, holding him with his hand, did wring his hand in as hard as he could. That's from Fox's book, book of Martyrs, page 748. The scene sweetly punctuates the most important friendship in the English Reformation. Whatever King Henry believed when he squeezed Cranmer's hand that day, God used the, band, the bond between them to break England free from Roman Catholicism and to recover the one true gospel. So Cranmer's death also, though, is important because it resembles many ordinary stories where Christians didn't stiffen their backbones or needed to stiffen their backbones, but didn't. So times where we wish we had taken a stronger stance, that we had not capitulated so much, that we had been a bit clearer without so much backtracking. It's likely that none of us will ever have entire reformations pending upon our decisions, but all Christians must be courageous and ambitious, looking to Christ for our security and humbly admitting when we're wrong. Let's go into a time of guided meditation and prayer over the scriptures. I'm going to pray, I'm going to read these verses, and this is using the ACTS method of prayer, which stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I would encourage you to pause between each section and use that verse to speak your own prayer to God. Pray that scripture and bring yourself into that time of prayer. Let's begin with a verse of preparation. Matthew 26, 40 and 41. And Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? 
Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God, keep me from distraction during this time of prayer. Help me to keep watch and help me to pray to you that I may not enter temptation. God, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I'm so easily tempted, easily distracted. God, bring me before your throne of grace now as I come to you in prayer and help me to release everything else from my mind and to focus entirely on you. A verse of adoration and worship. Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Father, we do, we worship you. We come before you, we come boldly before the throne of grace in the name of your son, Jesus, to worship you, to stand in the threshold of your house, to dwell in your tent. God, you are a sun and a shield. You give grace and glory. We worship you. You do not hold any good thing from us as we walk in your son, Jesus. God, we are blessed because we trust in you through your son, Jesus. And we worship you for that. Thank you, God, for who you are. Contrition of heart and confession of sin. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with a fever, with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. Trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. God, yes, I pray to you right now that you would forgive my sins. God, I am blessed when you do not impute iniquity to me because you've already imputed it to your son Jesus on my behalf. And instead, you impute his righteousness to me. God, I now silently confess my my sins to you. And I ask that you will forgive me. That you forgive me for the guilt of my sin. And that you will continue to be my hiding place. And that you will preserve me from trouble. That you will surround me with songs of deliverance. And that... By the blood of your son, Jesus, who was shed for me, you will forgive me for my sins. Lord, now hear my silent prayer of confession.
verse of gratitude and thanksgiving. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Yes, God, we come before you in prayer, in private worship, in songs, publicly and privately teaching and admonishing one another. And we're singing, we sing to you with thankfulness in our hearts for what you've done for us. You've forgiven us our sins by the blood of your son who willingly came to die on the cross for us and was miraculously resurrected after three days. And God, you bless us and you keep us and your will is always good for us. Even when we can't understand it, we know that you work all things out for the good of those who love you. God, work your will in our lives. Thank you, God, for your work in us. Supplication and Requests, Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me of my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Yes, God, as I call to you, as I bring my request to you, I ask that you will answer me, that you will relieve me of my distress, and that you will hear my prayers and answer them according to your will, because we know that Jesus is our mediator and that he comes before you and he, and he brings our prayers to you and you hear our prayers because of the perfection and love for your son. So we pray to you now with all of our requests. Then let's finish with this hymn. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within his veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood, Support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Let me, have you, let me ask you this question. This is from Corey Tenboom. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Does it guide your life or is it something that you go to when everything else is broken down and you have no other options? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Thanks for joining me today. Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. And, and behold, he is with you always, even to the end of the age. So now go to your day knowing that God has given you a mission and that he will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And remember, I'm not ordained and I'm not a pastor. So if you're a Christian listening to my podcast, you need to be in church on Sunday. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed this message. Would you, if you do enjoy this, would you consider doing me one of two things or both? Uh, scroll down in my notes and you'll see a link where you can leave me a voicemail. If you just leave me a voicemail, letting me know what you enjoyed about the show, asking a question, telling me something maybe that you disagree with, whatever. Um, I'd love to get those messages. And then the other thing is, would you go over to uh, podcast, Apple Podcasts over on iTunes and uh, leave me a rating and a review? Helps my show to get more visible and uh, helps people to find the show. And uh, you can find the link to that down in my show notes, wherever you're listening to your podcast at. All right, have a good day.